Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. You're listening to Garibaldi Red, a Nottingham Forest podcast brought to you by Nottinghamshire Live. Hello, welcome to Garibaldi Red as we reflect on a dying night for Nottingham Forest, one that could mean the end of Steve Cooper's tenure after the Reds lost 4-0 at Leicester City to leave them bottom of the Premier League after five straight defeats. Joining me to discuss the game and the manager's future, first of all, is BBC Radio Nottingham football presenter David Jackson. Morning, David. Welcome back. How are we? Morning. Yes, thank you for inviting me to relive the nightmare. Uh, <laughs> I'm just one night's sleep. Delighted to be here, Matt, as always. Yes, group therapy session was how I <laughs> sold this on Twitter. So uh, already quite a lot of people joining us. So join the party, everyone, and we'll uh, try and lift some spirits, hopefully. Uh, second guest today is Mikey Clark. Morning, Mikey. How are you? Morning, Matt. Yeah, I'm good, thank you. How are you? You good? Uh, yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. Struggled to get to sleep last night, reflecting on the misery and what we'd say today. But obviously, I think we just face it head on and we might as well start. We just, I mean, the first question I wrote down, David, was how bad was last night? What would you say about it? Uh, well, it was horrific, wasn't it? Um, uh, the first half was just utterly dire. Uh, there were some really poor individual performances, completely overrunning midfield. Um, the defence looked uh, weak, completely fallible, um, and it, yeah, it just it just wasn't really very clever. They they started off. I thought you could see at the start they won a sort of co- a couple of corners early, and I thought, okay, so we know Leicester concede a lot of goals from set pieces, not very good at defending balls into the box, so maybe they're just going to try and use a bit of pace on the uh, on the width, get themselves into those positions, get into some other free kicks, corners, get some balls into the box, and maybe that's their way in, um, which again might explain inclusion of Coyote in the team to get up there, win a header like he did the other week. So, okay, you think that's that's an idea. Uh, and then, you know, Steve Cooper's right. They did have a really good chance early on with a one It was pleasing at least to see that they uh, found a couple of ways of getting a one through uh, through in on goal and using him that way, although he, he missed them both, of course, uh, one in each half. But really, by the time Leicester scored, they could should have had uh, two by then already. And then as soon as they conceded one, they just collapsed in much the same way as they have done in, in the last couple of games. And it just one quickly becomes two, quickly becomes three, and it's and it's game over. And it was it was just horrible, horrible to watch. There, there was an improvement in the second half. And I get that that is also coupled with the fact that it was game over by then and Leicester were 3-0 up. So I don't think we need to sort of heat praise on that. But there were some better performances out on the field in the second half, I thought. But overall, it was just horrible. Yeah, I mean, Mikey, I guess you'd echo that. It didn't feel, it felt to me, even at nil-nil, literally aside from a one-use chance, it was just a cascade of despair, I thought, that first half, wasn't it? Yeah, it was really tough. It was a, it was a really, really tough watch. Um, I, I echo David's thoughts and, and some, of, some of the words that he's used. I think all I'd add, add to that is it was just, I just didn't enjoy it. It was horrible. It, it reminded me of the end of Chris Hutton's tenure. Um, I think you wrote a piece about it, Matt, this morning. Same feel around it in terms of the performance on the pitch. 
players looking a bit lost. It was just, it was horrible from minute one. And I think David's right when he says, you know, even before Leicester took the lead, it just felt like it was coming. And unfortunately, we're in a situation now where we're letting one goal and then the second and third arrive. You know, don't don't nip don't nip for a pint or to the toilet during a match because by the time you come back, it could be all over the way we're defending at the moment. So it was really frustrating to watch. And after the first goal went in, I I thought to myself, what we just need now is just to get through to half time, just to keep it tight, even if we have to drop off and defend. We cannot let that second goal in. Because as soon as that second goal goes in, it's pretty much all over. You saw the body language changed. The heads dropped. They started arguing with each other on the pitch. It was just, it was horrible. And then obviously the third went in after that and it, you know, it very much is game over then. I just thought it was, it was tough to watch. Really, really tough to watch. I will do, do, do a quick shout out for the fans though. I think it's becoming almost a mandatory thing for Forest fans now just to sing throughout the game and get, and get behind the team and the manager. And that's what they did last night. You wouldn't, you know, if you tuned in halfway through, you wouldn't have thought we were three nil down because all the noise was coming from the forest end. And, you know, you've got to give people credit for that. I think everybody has a sense of realism in terms of where we've come from in the last year. And it was always going to be hard this year. It was always going to be tough. But last night was just horrible. I'm struggling to find positives from it. I think maybe, I'm sure we'll go into this, Matt and David, but maybe Mangala coming on for 20 minutes. I thought he looked pretty good. Other than that, it was just horrid from minute one. Horrible. Um, I, can I just pick up on something you said there, Mark? I think it's interesting you said like you didn't enjoy it because I think there's a lot of people um, saying at the moment, uh, oh, just enjoy it. Enjoy Forrest being in the Premier League. And, and, and yeah, you can. And I think when you've got games like Spurs and you lose, uh, but you play well and you, you can see you know, see what they're doing, you go, yeah, that, you can still enjoy that, right? You know, Man City, even when you get tonked 6-0, you can just go and say, OK, they're scoring six against everybody, it seems, at the moment. And you can almost just sit back and just enjoy the spectacle of, of, of football that's in front of you. Um, nights last night aren't enjoyable in, in in any way shape or form and you're absolutely right that the noise of the fans singing relentlessly and not just in little bursts but like relentlessly through the second half when their team's being well beaten was um i mean not not a surprise because we've seen it you know consistently from forest fans but last night it was uh particularly of note i completely agree i mean i've, I've written a piece this morning as mikey says kind of a message to the board pleading to give cooper a bit more time certainly but like, I think there has to be a recognition that he's made mistakes as well. I mean, this isn't hindsight talking, Mikey. Last night, as soon as the team news dropped, I messaged you and I was like, I don't get this. And then I wrote a team down that was the 4 2 3 1. I thought, okay, but still concerns about this team. Uh, and it panned out. I mean, it just panned out really badly. It felt like confused team selection to both of us, didn't it? Yeah, you've got to face into this actually and, and just talk about what it was. So, you know, before yesterday, I think we'd let in 12 goals in three games. The system was being ripped apart a little bit. So I don't blame Cooper and his staff for, for wanting to make a change and go into a back four. I get that. Me me personally, I probably would have stuck with it, but totally understand the thought process around changing the shape, trying to get that extra body maybe in midfield with Gibbs White dropping back a bit. Totally understand that. I think what I didn't understand was the the personnel in that shape so and I, and I don't like digging that place and I'm not going to but I will say that the spine of that team with Steve Cook who's, who's served as brilliantly and was a stalwart last season 
and obviously Kriate, they're not the quickest. So when you've got you know midfield of Tielemans um, uh, and Dewsbury uh, Hall, Dewsbury Hall, yeah, John John remember his name, uh, best name in football, um, and uh, Madison sort of coming in from the right hand side, and then you have the pace of Jamie Vardy in behind. It, it just really didn't make sense to me. And you know within the first five ten minutes, Vardy spun in behind two three times, and you're thinking, oh my word. This is going to be a really, really long night. I think what they could have potentially done is Briate can play at centre back. So they could have gone to a five, but they decided not to. And we stuck with a four. But then in the second half, and I, I take David's point, and he's absolutely right, because Leicester, Leicester had that game one. They were controlling the game. They dropped off the pace and the tempo. We looked a little bit better. But that shape did come to its own in the second half. I thought we did a little bit better, especially with Mangala on the pitch uh, and Froyle when he came on. So I guess my my one criticism would have been totally understand the shape. It's just the personnel that was deployed in that shape didn't make a great deal of sense with the opposition that we were playing and their strengths. So I'm, I'm yet to be convinced that that was the right team selection. And I think what we saw in the second half is perhaps where he's going to go on Monday if, if of course, we've still got the same management team in charge. But um, like I said, don't blame him going to a back four. It just It just didn't. Didn't, the personnel just didn't make any sense to me. Do, do you agree with that, David? We, we just looked a bit slow and leggy all over the pitch. Um, well, <laughs> I'm not 100% sure what the, the other options were. I mean, I think, you know, if you look at the defence, um, uh, Joe Worrell's uh, obviously been left out the last couple of games. Um, and uh, Musa Niakate, obviously, still injured. How big an impact is he going to have when he comes back? I, I think he's probably included Kriate in there for height. I think they felt that they'd have an opportunity from set pieces against Leicester and maybe he's thought he wants to leave Bolly out maybe because of, um, of how he'd played against uh, Fulham. And I think a couple of times he'd been dragged a bit out of position and the left forest had been exposed at the back. So he put Kayate in and maybe that gives them the, um, the height. But um, I don't think he had a great game last night. I think O'Brien... Uh, has come in having played so well, having come off the bench uh, against Fulham, but then didn't work for him last night. So yeah, I think he's kind of like trying to work out who he can play. I mean, Mangala played really well. Don't probably just not ready to to start a game at the moment, but came on and did really well. I think he's at the moment a little bit stuck between who who do I pick and and what form they're in and who's going to fit in where. How's this? How's the system going to work? He's not. I don't think he's got a straightforward um, a straightforward decision to make. To be honest, um, in in almost any position, and certainly, you know, they they were exposed last night in midfield and in defence. That's that's obvious, um, and they didn't put the chances in at the other end. But I, I think Steve Cooper said to us after he said, "Well, the players just basically didn't instil the tactics that were there," which he said wasn't an attitude thing. He said it was a sort of a concentration thing, whatever the reason was. Um, it, it obviously got a game plan. I just don't think we saw the game plan. <laughs> Maybe if we'd actually seen the game plan uh, working, then it, it, it may have been different. I just, uh, from what Steve Cooper said, we just didn't, we never saw that. Yeah, I mean, they didn't win any battles. They wasn't, it didn't individually win their battles. They didn't collectively mm. have any cohesion. I suppose he's got two big conundrums, well, three. I mean, who plays centre half? The second one would be the fullbacks. I'm not sure our fullbacks. And then the third one is he seems determined to shoehorn Lingard, Gibbs White and Johnson into the team as much as he can. And I, like Mike says, I don't like, don't like to dig out players, but it wasn't Jesse Lingard's night. And with the 
huge benefit of hindsight, maybe playing Yates as the extra midfielder or Freuler would have been better. I mean, what have you made of Lingard, um, David? I think he's been terrible, but I thought he was bad last night. I think when when you see him play well, you, you he, he's fantastic. I thought he was great against Spurs. And I thought he was great through the whole game against Spurs. I thought he was brilliant. I thought he was everywhere. And you could see little touches he was making, the way he was getting Forrest moving from a deep in midfield further forward. And you could absolutely see the benefit of having him in the team. But when he's not doing that, there's there's not loads else. You know, like if you've got a Ryan Yates, when even when you're not getting the best performance out of him, you know, you know what you are going to get. You're going to get full-blooded. You're going to get those tackles flying in. You're going to get that. But you don't get a lot from Jesse Lingard when he's not providing... Uh, uh, his best performances, but when he is, he's he's class. He's got a lot of quality, and, and just even the little flicks, the flick uh, for the through for Brennan Johnson for Forest second against Fulham was just outstanding. Great little flick over the top, and there's not many players in the team who who can provide that. He's got that ability to unlock a defense, and we know that. Um, and maybe once he's in a team that is playing well and, and winning games, maybe that will help him. Um, raise it. He's clearly got, you know, we, we all know that. We've seen him over the years. He's got shed loads of ability. It's just Steve Cooper's probably just trying to find a way in which it will work and find a way of getting the best out of him, which obviously, you know, we haven't seen uh, an awful lot of so far this season. We've seen bits, we've seen little little bits, we've seen a couple of good performances. But yeah, of course, of course, we want to see more. But I mean, who, who wouldn't you level that against in, in the team in the early part of the season? Yeah, I mean, do you think, Mikey, they have to... Assume, let's assume for now, we'll come on to Cooper, assume he's still in charge at Village, they have to sacrifice one of that trio of attacking players to be a bit more conservative now? Yes, 100%. So, I think the reason is that we're just... You're not going to win any games of football or even take points when you are conceding goals like this. So, 16 goals in four games, something like that. And it's even worse if you go back the league has to stop. So it's not as if we're losing every game by, you know, 5-4 or anything like that. We got tramps last night. We, we were soundly beaten at Manchester City. Um, I think the 3-2 against Fulham probably flattered us. Bournemouth, I think we were unlucky. So we need to change something. We need to get a 1-0. You know, I sound really, really boring and sort of pragmatic about this, but it just feels as if we somehow need to get a, a really dull, <laughs> efficient win under our belts with hopefully a clean sheet and maybe sort of build from there. And I think the way you do that is, is to just tie them up. I was looking at the lines last night because I'm a, a bit of a geek like that, especially when I'm watching on TV and just looking at the, the distance between the defence and the attack. And it was absolutely huge. And that wasn't even when we were chasing the game. So I just think we need to be more um, compressed and compact. And I think the way you do that is by being pragmatic in your team selection and bringing in somebody a third midfielder, perhaps, maybe even keeping with the back five, but then having one behind one and doing it that way and just trying to grow into a game because we can't be two, three nil down all the time in the first half. It just because then then the game plan's completely out the window. So I think with hindsight, it's very easy to say, but that team can't buy a clean sheet at the moment. So it will give everybody a huge amount of confidence the longer we stay in the game on Monday. So I'd rather is even play like we did against um, Fulham. And I can't believe I'm saying this, but it's true. We just need to keep it compact and keep it tight and somehow 
take our chances and grow into the game. Because if we're as open as we were last night, we're going to be 2 3 no down again. They've got Danny Inns, Watkins, Coutinho. You can't give them the amount of space we gave James Madison last night. Otherwise, we're going to be in, in huge, huge trouble. So I think for Monday, I think personally, I'll probably go with the back five, but have that extra person in midfield and just play one behind one and just try and be cagey and as pragmatic as possible. And then later in the game, perhaps, once it gets stretched, players get a little tired, then maybe you can see a Lingard or somebody like that try and win as the game. Um, and I think that's the way we've got to go. It's not ideal, I know, but the situation dictates we do something a little bit different. We can't keep being as open as this, man. It's so hard, isn't it, oh, David, I guess, to, to, to find the balance. I mean, Cooper, he's been down a hell of a hand, doesn't he? <laughs> I know we've said this a lot, but you can't get away from it, can you? Yeah, I, I, I just think he's... It's always going to take, and I know this will probably frustrate some people watching this, but it, it does take a manager a while to work out um, how everybody's going to fit in together when he's got so many new players in there, um, you know, and and he's got to try and figure out ways of getting the best out of certain players um, and what systems are going to work. And, you know, it it just is going to take time. And really what we're talking about is, is a, a few bad games, right? Because, you know, the, Beaten West Ham, uh, got a draw against Everton, very nearly all three points against Everton. And yes, there are moments in those games, particularly the, you know, the late Everton equaliser that you easily, you know, rightly get frustrated by. But then you think, well, Spurs, they played well, you know, and just beaten by a, a very good Champions League team. Manchester City, you just write off. So you, you're talking about three games, really. Um, and the Bournemouth game, you're talking about half a game. The Fulham game, you're really talking about half a game. And so, yeah, last night was hugely disappointing. But it, it is still a few games. It is still very early on in the season. There are still bits in there for me. The fact that they did improve in the second half, I think, is encouraging. Um, yes, again, the age-old caveat of, yes, the game was gone, etc. But they were still creating chances come the end. You know, There's still that desire. There's still that will in that team, in that set of players. Um, so I, I just think it's a... Yes, it's a it, it's a it's a few bad results, but I think we all knew with Forest coming into the Premier League with a whole new set of players um, that it it would take a bit of time. But people often seem happy to give time until it actually comes to the moment of actually giving it, and then they go. It's like I always say, football fans are patient until August because you are. You say, oh yeah, absolutely, you know, give them time, give them time, give them time. And then as soon as it comes to the actual crux of it, here we are in the crux of it, where they've lost a few games in the bottom of the Premier League. This is what you're talking about. This is what you were talking about months ago when you said you need to give Steve Cooper time. This is it. This is the moment. If you want him to be given time, now is the time that you have to give it to him to sort it out. And this is where you have to decide whether he has done enough to deserve the opportunity to get this team through this if you think that he is the right person for that um and if you think that you, you wouldn't be able to get better or and, and not only in the short term but everybody talks about this being a long-term vision uh well if it's long term and if steve cooper is part of the long term no no long-term trajectory kind of just goes up like that or like that if you're watching me on zoom mm -hmm. the other way um it, you know it, it it wobbles and you know do you do you bail out at, at, at the first real wobble Big call. Hmm. I mean, to me, Brendan Rogers, ironically, is probably the case in point of why I would keep Cooper and hold my nerve for at least one more game because Leicester were pretty dire. And then, I mean, Forrest helped make them look good. But you can see there's the 
the ingredients of a team in Leicester. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they go on a run now. Where are you at on Cooper then, Mikey? Yeah, I think um, I'll come back to that in a second. Matt. What, what I'd say in, in terms of Leicester, yeah, you're absolutely right. You've got to remember those players have Premier League experience as well. A lot of ours don't. So even though they're in a or were in a sticky patch, they're still only on the same points as us. So, but their trajectory feels very, very different. But in, in terms of the Cooper uh, question, Matt, I totally endorse what you're saying and what David has, has just said as well. If you remember back to last season, appreciate it's a championship. But I think he only lost two games on the bounce once. So he's never really had a sticky phase. This is it. So I guess my worry is if if he does leave and we get a new manager in and that new manager loses five of the first six, what do we do then? You know, do, does he go? Do we get somebody else in? So David's right. In terms of a trajectory, you never get a curve that just that is just exponential in one way there's always ups and downs and the test of any um strategy is if you stick with it during the the tricky periods and this is it this is this is the one so for me i would absolutely stick by cooper um you know given the tools to do the job in terms of the players he's got that but just given the support we, we don't want to be I'm trying to choose my words carefully here. We don't want to be a club that every time the manager loses four or five games on the bounce, he goes, because that's just not sustainable. And we'll find ourselves back in the championship or even worse before we've even blinked an eye. So we need to come out the other side of this. And like you were saying with Matt, Leicester will do that now with Rodgers without without a shadow of doubt. I think we just need to hold our nerve. The fans are very much behind Cooper. David was saying it at the start, you know, that they were singing for that man last night and have been throughout the season and, and last season as well. So I, I, even reading the comments, it's a bit of a mixed bag, but I don't sense a a tide swell of, you know, Cooper needs to go and we need to get somebody else in. So I, I think the vast majority of fans can see what we're trying to do and have faith that we've got the right man in charge. But unfortunately, it's not our decision. But I guess my plea would be to 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 the people running Forest is this is a sticky moment. Stick by and you will reap dividends out of this. Because as David said, even if we do go down, which hopefully we won't, but if we do, who do you want who do you want leading us back up? The guy that's that was the first forest manager in a quarter of a century to do that. So, you know, you, you hope for the best, you plan for the worst, as, as I always say. But I do genuinely think that. This is the crunch period. This is where we all need to stick together as a club, as a fan base, as an ownership, as players, and somehow try and get a one nil on Monday and start from there. Let's just not chop and change every time we have a sticky, sticky month or so. Otherwise, if that's a blueprint, we're going to have three or four managers before the end of the season. We're going to turn into Watford. That's that's my worry. Yeah, I mean, I, I do. Um, I, I do genuinely think that the fans last night they were singing for Cooper. Um, that, and you know, on the way out of the uh, the ground at the end of the night, Colin Frey, Steve Sutton, and myself bumped into uh, a few fans who were were hanging around near the the team coach just to uh, offer their support to the players and to to the head coach as well. And they were talking to us about the noise in the ground in their corner, and they said we were singing for Steve Cooper. You know that he's given us uh, our best year. This lad I was talking to, he said he's in early thirties. He said he's Steve Cooper's given me my favourite year supporting Forrest and I want him still in charge, even if that means relegation. 
I want Steve Cooper in charge. This is this is what the fans are saying. And you can tell that by the noise they were making last night. The risk you take if you change manager now, and who knows, you know, it may work. You know, they, they may change manager and somebody might come in and he might keep them up. Who knows? But one of the risks you're taking, I think, is that huge amount of goodwill between supporters and um, uh, supporters in the club because you felt it at the end of last season. Um, just a, an incredible atmosphere, the like I've I've never known, uh, Covering Forest, ne- never known anything like that. And you risk jeopardising that because they that bond is so strong at the moment. And you've got all these new players. As soon as you change uh, the manager, you've got all these new players and a new manager trying to fit in. And you've not then got that same link between the club and the supporters that you've had through last season and is still evidently there. You can hear it. You can see it on a match day. So changing manager now is um, is a risk on that side uh, as well as anything that you, that you might deem to be a risk on the pitch. I've had to move. There was roadworks outside my house. That's why David was on full screen. So I just kept going just in case. I was reading the comments about me looking tired, and that is true. And I, uh, <laughs> I think it's just because I haven't shaved for a couple of days, and I've been covering a lot of football recently. There's a lot of late nights recently. I've had Mansfield Friday night, and then we've had Forest last night, and then Notts County Wrexham tonight. So I mean, the observation is perfectly accurate. I, I will, I will take that on my stubbly chin. No problem. <laughs> It's pretty tiring watching Forest last night. Yeah. That. Someone in the comments says we're like a propaganda machine for Cooper. I don't see it that way, personally. I think we're trying to put a balanced opinion. I mean, if well, like, do... I said, like I said, it might, it might work. You might. I just said, like, if you change it, yeah, it might work. And yes, results aren't happening. That That's fine. But what, what, what I'm saying is that you've got to look at what the risks are. If you're going to change manager, then it's, it's a gamble, right? Anytime it's a gamble. So you're sort of weighing up the options. And all I'm saying is at the moment, if you change... Then you—that is one thing that you are—you are going to lose, and you're also losing a head coach who is clearly very good, hugely respected throughout the game. Is you know managed at international level in the the England age groups, um, and has got, reached playoffs three successive seasons in the championship. You've got to ask uh, the question: Is how long do you give him in this uh, little? slump of form they're in at the moment of results how long do you give him and that and that's your call and, and the board will ultimately make that call but as a, as a supporter you've got to decide how long are you prepared to give him it, you know at the start of the season were you saying well five defeats and I'm gonna say that it's time to go if you were then you know that that's that's your call but I, I think that's quite a personally I think that's that's quite a big call to make when when he's done what he's done and 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 you know, whoever you'd replace him with, are, are they going to be better than Steve Cooper, one of the most highly rated young coaches in the game? Yeah, I agree. I think you're really you're massively rolling the dice if you sack Cooper. And like you say, it might work. I think, like I said this morning, Cooper changed everything a year ago. And if you get rid of him, you're asking someone else to come in and do exactly what he did 12 months ago and transform a football club. And I don't know if you can keep doing that. So my inclination would be to stick with him at least for the next two games against Villa, who we'll come on to, and Wolves, who are two clubs, I think, that Forrest can get something against, hopefully. Well, the, the names that have been linked then, Mikey, Rafa Benitez last night, Sean Dyche is another one. There'll be inevitable kind of player managers who've been linked with, you know, Olympiacos and Mendes and stuff like that before, but Benitez is probably the most prominent one. How, how do you feel about the names linked? Not 
overly encouraged if, if i'm being honest some of the names in the comments are, are funny big sam and big ron have just come up with the comments so <laughs> i'm not sure about that no i think it's you'll get that won't you of course because um certainly the, the managers that are out of work and have a pedigree at this level albeit you know some a few seasons ago will we'll, we'll always get linked and forest is a it's a, it's a bloody good job. So, you know, it's, it's massive support, um, you know, huge um, groundswell of positivity, or there was until a couple of weeks ago. Um, so it'll be walking into to a club which is back financially, which the infrastructure is improving with a new stand and everything like that. So why wouldn't you take the job? So there's going to be there's going to be a load of people that want it. Of course there is. In terms of the names that have been mentioned and I'm not on show social media, but I do check occasionally, and, and none of them fill me with great. Um, uh, I don't know. Put it this way: I, I don't think I'd be making a change personally. I think, choose my words carefully again. People, are, I suppose, are out of work for a reason. Perhaps they didn't necessarily fulfil the criteria at their previous job. So why then would they do well at Forest? I don't know. It just and like we were saying before, you know, we are going through a sticky patch and, yeah, we could get in a Rafa Benitez or a Bruno Large or a, a Nuno, the, the ex-guy that was at Wolves as well. And yes, they have Premier League experience and, and may well keep us up, um, but it doesn't fill me with with great deal of um, positivity, if I'm honest. I, I guess I'm just, and I have to be honest with myself, I'm probably in that mindset where I just, I want Steve Cooper to stay. I want, I want him to be backed and be supported through this sticky period. And like you said, Matt, if we don't get a result against Villa and Wolves, I think we've got Liverpool after that. You know, we are going to be marooned at the bottom. And then, you know, I wouldn't want him to go, but I would probably understand it a little bit more. Um, and then obviously we can talk about names and stuff like that. But there isn't one or two standout candidates for me. They all have their plus points. Like I said, a lot of them are very experienced at this level. But at the moment, I, I absolutely would stick with Cooper. And that's, I've got to have to be honest. And that's, that's kind of where I am. In, in, in my thought process, I, I wouldn't make the change, not now. I suppose, I mean, in honour of the BBC, David, we should try and put both sides. Is there a case for someone else coming in that might make them more organised and give you that short-term shot in the arm that has worked previously for, I mean, at Watford, it's not working now, but it has done in the past, hasn't it? Um, well, yeah, I mean, Watford go with that, don't they? Even when they're doing well, to be honest, they just seem to have an idea that, you know, you change manager every few months and and and, and that works. And, you know, that, that's their system. That works for them. That That's that's fine. Um, yeah, of course. Like, But yes, if you bring a new manager in, of course, you know, things would change. They do things differently. And yes, that, that might things change. It'd be the same personnel, of course, at least until uh, January. But I, I don't see at the moment, <clears throat> like, it, it's not like keeping Steve Cooper definitely means they're not going to get organised. You know, Steve Cooper took over a team 12 months ago um, that were nothing like the team that they were come the end of the season. That's when he came in with uh, a bunch of players who he didn't know and he got to know and he turned them around. And by the end of the season, they're they're flying and, you know, putting, uh, putting four past Leicester beating Arsenal. So, uh, you know, I don't see the uh, the idea that Keeping Steve Cooper definitely means that isn't going to happen. Like I say, we're talking about a, a few bad games. Yes, shipping an awful lot of goals over the last few weeks. And yes, I get that it's the manner of those defeats. It's, it's having a lead and then throwing it away and being 2-0 up against Bournemouth and throwing it away. And I, I completely understand that. But 
that doesn't mean that it's impossible for him to turn that around. Um, and I think you'd have to say that given what he achieved last year, given the qualities that we know he has, given the evidence of that from last year and the way he turned around a losing team and got them completely turned around to the extent that he did, um, I think you'd have to say he's got to be um, given that opportunity. He deserves, doesn't he, that opportunity to at least try and turn that around. And, you know, I'm sure at some point, you know, gradually, from a supporter's point of view, patience might eventually go. I get that, especially if they're conceding a lot of goals. But, you know, does he has he not earned that opportunity? Are you in the stay-up-at-all-camp costs, Mikey, of just do anything, throw the kitchen sink at it and hope that something sticks? Or would you or not take going down? That's the right phrase, but... You, you give Cooper, I mean, a lot longer than other managers would get still. Yeah, I would personally. I, th- I think, um, I just think for all the reasons that, that we're saying he's he, he's the right man to lead us through this, you know, he's, he's oh, I don't even think it's arguably one of, if not the best manager we've had since Brian Clough and Frank Clark, you know, his record proves it. What he did turning us around last season was just remarkable. And I think when, um, when Dane Murphy brought him in, I think it was a view of a long-term plan. So this is how we want the club to be structured. This is how we want to play. These are the uh, the thought processes that, that underpin it. What he's guilty of, if anything, is achieving short-term success really, really, really quickly. And I, I don't even know if that was part of the plan. But I guess now we've achieved that, that success. The pressure's now on us to, to stay in this league. But I don't think you then ditch the long-term plan. When you, when you come up against something that's, you know, a, a sticky four or five games, of course. It's like you were saying, Matt, we've got a couple of, I think, winnable games coming up. If we win that, we'll be mid, if we win those two, we'll be mid-table. I just don't think when you hit the rocks first, you have to abandon what is a long-term plan with Steve Cooper. I think it, I genuinely think it is. I might be wrong, but that, that's kind of my view. Um, so I'm not, I'm not one of these fans that... I would say it's blinkered and say, do you know what? Even if we do a derby and, and finish on 11 points, stick by him. I'm not, I'm not sure I'm, I'm necessarily in that camp, but I think at the moment he deserves, and that's a great word that David used, he deserves time and support to try and turn it round. We're still very, very early in the season. And it's a weird season, this one. Everybody listening and watching has got to remember that. It's weird because we have a break for the World Cup. It's almost like two mini seasons. So even if we're there or thereabouts at the end of season one so to speak when we come back from the world cup we've got another 16 17 games or whatever it is you know so it, it it's it's really really strange circumstances at the moment it's unlike nothing we've probably ever, ever seen before so i just think stick with them don't panic at the first sign of trouble and it is trouble because we were rubbish last night let's not pull any bones about it it was awful to watch it was, it was depressing. And I said before I came on, Matt, I'm going to try and keep it upbeat, but I'm finding it quite difficult because <laughs> when you watch that and just see your team absolutely ripped apart, it's hard. So then it's hard for me to sit here in front of everybody listening and say, do you know what? Give him time, give him time. But I genuinely think that because he, he deserves it. And I think once he gets to know these players and gets a shape and a system, we will come out of it better. And I, the risk that David's saying, get somebody else in, yeah, it might it might work, and we, we might win five of the next six games. 
but then what happens when he has a sticky patch? I just think we need to stick to our, have the courage of our convictions and just stick with Cooper through this sticky phase. If we lose the next two, three, four, okay, fair enough. I think even I would say, okay, well, maybe, maybe, maybe we do need to change it, but not now. It just feels too soon, Matt. Mm. And to sound like a politician, to be very clear, as they say, you were, and when it was Hewton, I mean, you were very much a Hewton detractor, weren't you? This isn't a case oh, yeah. of being blinked with Mikey. Oh, oh yeah, oh, absolutely. And uh, the comments have been making me laugh because it's not, <laughs> I'm not related to Steve Cooper at all, right? I'm not saying that. But yeah, if, if you scroll back a, a couple of years ago when I was on here, at the back end of the season before last season, I was saying we should make a change because I didn't see anything productive I didn't see any glimmers of hope I didn't didn't like the way we were playing I didn't like the recruitment the style shape all that sort of stuff I, I hated it and I, and I just knew that we weren't going to go forward and as it happens it, it took what six seven eight games and they made the change I don't see that now and I don't feel that way I, I feel completely opposite I just feel like we've, we've we've hit a brick wall and we just need to somehow get a one nil and move past it and then we'll look back in a couple of months and say do you know what it was sticky but we stuck with him and we got there and we didn't panic and we didn't make the change and the fans were supportive. So I feel totally different now than what I did with Chris Uten and even a couple of managers before that. I'm still in the positive camp, but I'm also realistic to know that last night was awful. So everybody needs to raise their game. Everybody needs to up it from the players to the staff, because if we keep performing like that, we will get relegated. But I just think at this point in time, stick, stick with what we have, what we know, and then, you know, look at it again in a couple of weeks, I think. You reach a point, don't you, when you can just um, you can just tell, you can just sense that it's 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 not going to happen now. Um, if you remember, I think everybody really wanted it to work out for, for Sabri Mushi even after the disappointment of the Stoke game at the start of the next season. It just wasn't working and you just thought, I, I don't think it's going to turn around and no matter how much people might want it to, and no matter how much he might want it to, it just didn't feel like it was going to happen. And it, it had sort of got to that point. And again, uh, you're right with, with Chris Hewton. And then once you reached that Middlesbrough game and they lost, you thought, well, there's just no option now. I, I, I agree. I don't think it feels like that um, just at the moment. I think it feels like there's a, a lot of work to be done. I think it feels like Steve Goob's got a big job. Um but I, I don't think it feels like he, he's exhausted his um, everything he's got to try and keep them up. You know, we're eight games into the season, and um, and it doesn't it doesn't feel at the moment um, sort of inevitable that that they'll go down. You know, there's going to be a lot of teams at the bottom end of that table um, who who don't have great seasons, uh, and it's just up to. To Forest to try and get more points than them, and if it takes a long time to sort of turn it around with the new players selling in, and if uh, if you know by the turn of the year you're getting a lot more out of a few of those players, you know, then I think there's there's every chance. There's plenty of quality in that team. It's just get, getting it out of them. And I, I like I say, I, I don't I don't buy the argument from some that uh, that Steve Cooper isn't going to be able to do that. I, I just think the evidence is, is stacked against that idea. Does he need to be ruthless against Villa, Mikey? In fact, I'll read out an 11 I've just written down and see what you think of this. I've written down an 11 here of 3-5-2 again. Uh, well, 3-5-2 is different, but five at the back. Henderson, Williams, Bolly, although I'm really not sure who would be the third centre-half, but I put Bolly here. Worrell, McKenna, Toffolo. I'd like to see a bit more from Lodi, to be honest. Froiler, O'Brien, Mangala, Gibbs-White, Awonyi. 
which I feel like gives a bit more security midfields and a bit more of a dour team. Does he need to be kind of more ruthless and more conservative now and make some big calls? Yeah, I think so. I, I, I don't necessarily dispute that team as well. Um, I I think you made a point right at the start, Matt, where you were talking about our fullbacks not really being fullbacks, being more wingbacks. So I think going back to three at the back would suit them. So I will probably stick with, with Roddy at left back because I think he's... His delivery is excellent, although, you know, Toflo, for me, has, has not really done anything wrong. Um, is Niakati still injured? Because if he is, I suppose, then you, you probably do have to go with with Bolly. But other than that, I think I probably agree with you, Matt, in terms of that that front sort of four or five, just a tighter shape. Like I said last night, watching that game, and if anybody has the stomach to do it and recorded it last night, just watch the first 10 minutes. Just watch the difference between where our, where our attack is and where our defenders and and the... The space in between the, the Madison and people, it was just, it's, it's scary. So we, we can't afford to do that with Coutinho and Watkins and Ings and, and all the other good players that they've got. So I would absolutely go that way. Sacrifice some of your more creative players. Because if we stay in the game and we don't do the things that we've been doing, which is like in two or three goals in 10 minutes, and it gets to the 60, 70 minute mark, and it's nil-nil or even one-nil either way, then you can maybe be creative and try and try and do something a bit different. But what we can't afford to do, and I said this before, is just go two or three nil down because you're so open. It's just it's just not working. Um, so I know it's at home, and I know everybody's thinking we really really need to win this game. But but you know, for want of a cliche, there's a lot of different ways of skinning a cat, right? You don't need to chuck the kitchen sink at the start. So I would absolutely go more in a more pragmatic way. And it might be a little bit boring, and I'm sorry, but I'm sure at 10 o'clock when everybody leaves the ground and if we've won one nil, nobody will care. Nobody will care a jot. Because I think we're in that situation now where we just, we need some points to build some confidence. We need to show that we can keep clean sheets or at least, you know, we're not going to, if you need three or four goals to win a football game, you're not going to win any football games. And I just think we're in that situation now. 16 goals conceded in four games, I think. It's just yeah. awful at any level, never mind the top level. And let's be honest, it probably should have been more. <laughs> think of all the chances Man City missed and all the chances last night Leicester missed. So something has to change. And, you know, I would absolutely go that way. Personnel, tighter shape, just keep it as tight as possible. I think it's the only logical way you can go because if we're open, we'll just... It could be could be really embarrassing again. Mm. I mean, if people are hammering that back three, I've written down, but I don't think there's a back three that I would write down that people wouldn't hammer at the moment, which is a bit of an indictment of where Forrest are at with the central defenders. Nia Kate is such a big miss, I think. In the comments, David, as well, people saying, you know, pick Sam Surridge, he'd have finished that chance last night. Well, he might not have got had the strength and the pace to get it, get away from Vice to get that shot away. It's a bit like everyone's a better player, aren't they, when they're not in the team? I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, that's that, that's true. I mean, that's um, that's sort of a, a recurring thing, isn't it? Uh, with uh, you know, with being a football fan, whoever's not not in the team when you've lost, then um, the players who didn't play suddenly in your mind become uh, become a whole lot better. That's that's absolutely true. Um, uh, clearly, the thing with the defence at the moment is um, is is the pace. Um, there's not huge amounts of pace in there. Um, hopefully, Nia Kate, when he's back, will add that. Um, somebody's commenting there about uh, Lloyd Bade and uh, that he um, apparently plays with a lot of pace. The videos I've seen of him, he's a good sort of ball-carrying central defender and can get the ball out. But 
you know why he's not involved at the moment. I guess you know that's for for the coaches to know rather than uh, than us. Clearly, just don't know settling in. Who knows? Uh, maybe got an injury. I don't. Uh, to be honest, I don't. I don't really know the, the details of uh, of Lloyd Bade. But yeah, you, you're right. You know they, they've got to find a way um, of of being tight at the back. Uh, but you know he, he can't go outside new players. So it, it's got to come from within those. You know Joe Worrell's had a couple of games out now. Uh, you bring him back in, you know full well with him, he's going to be absolutely determined, desperate to get back in that starting lineup. You know, he'll go for everything. Uh, so, does he get back in? Maybe. Um, you know, Bolly, although I don't think he had the best game against uh, Fulham, he is an experienced Premier League defender. So, you know, is it worth sort of chucking him back in? You've got the height in there as well. He's, he, these are all big calls. I think all you can do is see how players react on the training ground this week to to what happened at Leicester. You'll have those who weren't playing absolutely knocking on his door going, get me in that team, get me in that team. Um, but uh, it's so hard for us to tell because, you know, without without being there on the training ground and seeing the reaction of those players, it's very hard to um, to work out what your 11 would, would be for the next week. Um, I know what you mean about Surridge. I mean, Surridge... Even the championship was was largely a, a sub, of course, because because Keenan Davis generally started and ground down the opposition, and then Surridge had come on and uh, expertly finish at any chance that that came his way. And he's a, a a great player to watch, a lovely player to watch, and the way he finishes is just silky smooth. It's it's just fantastic. I, I, I like him a lot. Uh, but you know, at the moment, he's got Emmanuel Dennis to try and get past, and he's got a Wanyi who you're right did well to use his strength to to generate those chances in the first place last night. They're they're, they're tough calls all, all over the pitch. I think all he can do is is pick the players who've got he feels are going to have he's going to have the right attitude on on Monday night, and he's going to be able to go out there, start brightly, and put in a ninety minute performance that's what we've not really seen almost sorry to Everton kind of an 89 minute performance before Jordan Pickford's long, long ball forward so uh, I think it's I, I think it, it comes down to that as much as just reflecting on the players certain abilities it, it, a lot of it comes down to uh, to, to, the, to what happens this week mm. I, mean, I think we've covered a lot of ground I'm conscious of time it's 45 minutes I mean, is there anything you want to add Mikey before we depart um, I guess not really. I've tried to keep it upbeat today. Like I said, it's 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 a little bit difficult. We've had previous episodes where we've worn everybody's really upbeat and stuff, and it's great. But I guess it's like anything. We we have to face these head on and and, and just call it for what it is, and maybe try and give some solutions or or suggestions. So, you know, I'll be down there on Monday supporting the lads. Um, let's speak for myself. Let's say. Steve's still in charge and let's hope we get a performance, as, as David says, for 90 minutes. Um, I'll be really, really interested to see that team sheet on Monday. Really, really interested because I'm all for trying to beat teams at home, of course, and being adventurous with team lineups. <clears throat> but I just thought, I think, again, situation calls for a bit more pragmatism. So really, really interested to see it. And let's just hope we can get over the line. It's, it's a, it feels like a monumental defining week for Forest. On the, on the training pitch and in behind the scenes. And if we can come out of it united and get some points against Villa and then follow that up against Wolves, I guarantee things will look a lot rosier. So I guess it's just 
you know, try and try everybody, myself included, try and just stay positive and try and get through this. And, you know, hopefully um, there'll be uh, more positive episodes to come when we're talking on about gaining points and how well we played. That would be great, wouldn't it? And how we how we kept clean sheets. How good will that be? Yeah, I mean, just yeah. for me, finally, just reading the comments. I'm not against Sam Surridge starting. I'd be happy to see Sam Surridge start. I might maybe even start with a one year. I don't know, but... I think we have to put faith in Cooper, as David says, just to see what how they react on the training ground and hopefully he can put the jigsaw pieces together. Stealing an analogy from Paul Taylor this morning, you know, throwing a thousand jigsaw pieces on the floor and expecting to put them together before the tea's gone cold, I think he said was a good way of putting it. I think we do need to just take a step back and give Cooper a bit more time. I've watched Villa three or four times this season. You know, they play well against Man City, but they're not you know, they, they don't look a good side. They were awful um, in the last two times I've seen them. They're, they're very boring. So it feels like Touchwood, a, a good opponent for Forrest to face. And if it all goes horrendously wrong next week, then I think we maybe have a different conversation. But we'll see. We'll see. David, anything you want to add before we head off? Um, just a response to Greg, who's put quite rightly about how Sam Suri did start a lot of yeah, a lot of games last season to score goals, and of course, you know, you think to the Swansea game where he scored a hat trick. So absolutely right. If I, I think I did say he largely came off the bench, but absolutely right. Happy to clarify that. Um, no, the only other thing I'd add is I'm 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 not as tired as I look to those people who are commenting on that, and I, I will endeavour to shave next time in order to to prove the fact that there we are. That's all to add, really. Oh, that's a disappointing lack of comments on your decor behind. I thought it's very, you know, very stylish yeah. and very nice. Well, that's that's because I didn't do it. Yeah. Well, shout out to Mrs. Jackson. You need to draw your own decor, I can tell it's all football. Uh yeah, pr- pretty much me or me or my wife, Lindsay. We just stick a load of things up. But yeah, try and make it slightly colourful if we can. True. My wife literally painted ours. Hang on, I'll move my head. Uh yeah, my wife painted yeah. those. So is that an upstanding radiator or are you, are you sideways at the moment? Is that... <laughs> I've been sideways last half an hour. Yeah. That's an upstanding radiator, yeah. And there's two of them. They're very efficient, a bit expensive. So, but yeah, like I say, wife does everything. So let her choose. That's the best way. Right, I'm waffling. Uh, I think we'll leave it there. Thanks for everyone who has watched along and loads and loads of comments. Too many to get through. Sorry, but they're very much appreciated. Uh, we shall be back maybe later in the week looking ahead to the Villa game, but if not, reviewing it. And uh, do give this a like and a subscribe if you've enjoyed it, if that was possible. I'm not sure that's the right word, but if it's uh, helped you feel a bit better, do give us a like and a subscribe. Mikey, thank you very much. Thanks, Matt. And thanks to everybody who commented as well, even the ones that didn't agree with me. I always enjoy uh, reading um, other people's opinions. It, it kind of makes you think differently as well. So, yeah, thanks, guys. David, thank you very much. Is it weird yes. for you being in the uh, interviewing chair and not the not the hosting chair? Yes, I have to try and not take over and start asking you two questions, but I'm used to asking them rather than answering them. But um, yes, thank you for having me as always, Matt. Always a pleasure. Excellent. We'll have you back soon when you've got some sleep and a shave. <laughs> Meet standards. <laughs> but in the meantime, thanks very much, everyone, and we shall see you soon.